I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. I'm your host Arushi Kataria, a junior research scholar at Takshashila Institution, and today with me I have Atish Padmi. Today we're going to be discussing about the regulation of fantasy sports platforms. Now, last week. the government's reportedly set up an interministerial panel to regulate online gaming now online gaming is a popular emerging sector that has economic potential for both companies as well as consumers but right now there's a lot of uncertainty regarding how will it be regulated and one of the reasons for this uncertainty is a nomenclature that we'll be discussing that is what does you know online gaming really be whether Should it be restricted to say online casino? Should it be restricted to fantasy sports such as Dream Eleven? Now, Dream Eleven should remind you of the recently concluded in the Premier League, which in 2020 was title sponsored by Dream Eleven, which is primarily a platform for paid fantasy contests. And I think that's what makes this topic even more interesting. The developments that have been happening in this space also demand attention. So today we'll be discussing how should the online fantasy sports platforms be regulated. But before we begin, I think for the benefit of all of our listeners, Atish, if you could give us maybe a brief definition of what do we mean by online fantasy sports platform when we talk about it today during the pod. Hi, Arushi. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, so as you said, online gaming broadly and online fantasy sports in specific is a really popular, growing industry currently that that we are witnessing. So when we say online fantasy sports platforms, Dream Eleven is the market leader in India, and these are basically apps which you can download on your phone. You can log into them, and you can enter paid contests. And we record less than a week after the 2022 Indian Premier League ended. And for anyone that has watched the IPL in 2022, they would know that advertising, uh, in-game sponsorships during the live broadcasts were just filled with. a lot of these fantasy sports platforms right so one of the new teams lucknow super giants was sponsored the one of the primary sponsors was my circle 11 which is another fantasy sports every single big indian cricketer that we know famous uh, prominent indian cricketers from virat kohli to to r ashwin every one of them has sponsorship deals with one of these fantasy sports platforms so there you go in and you can build your own fantasy 11 basically or or how many a number of players that that platform allows you can play along with the IPL when it's going on and then depending on how your players perform versus how they're performing in the actual games you win or lose money so it's 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 a experience where you get to make your dream 11 quite literally right and because india is such a cricket crazy country there's no wonder that it has become such a popular and growing sport so when we speak about online fantasy sport platforms we only narrowly mean these platforms where people can go in and not just cricket in any of the other sports that they allow you can go in you can make your you can create your own team based on various parameters and you can join daily contests you can join longer leagues over longer time periods and then see how you perform and make or lose money right now that's quite interesting you mentioned how you know they've been sponsoring players they've been sponsoring 
entire cricket teams, which must mean that these companies are raking in large revenues. So could you maybe tell us or walk us through the current economic condition or situation of online fantasy sport platforms in India, especially when it comes to say their business revenues and their scope for growth in the next, what their scope for growth is over the next few years? Right. So, of course, the estimate, most of the numbers that we have about the industry is based around estimates. Uh, a recent report that came out, which was authored by people at Deloitte, uh, in collaboration with uh, FIFS, which is Federation of Indian Fantasy Sports, which is an industry body that represents the interests of various fantasy sports platforms. So together they came out with a report, which estimates that currently the complete market size of this, of this industry is around 34,000 crore rupees or around 4.5 billion US dollars. Now that's a pretty big uh, market. Now in 2020, December, India's government think tank, the Niti Aayog, they also came out with a report and there they showed how this industry grew between 2016 and 2019. And between in those three years, the industry grew at a compound annual growth rate of over 200%. So that's staggering, right? And as of 2021-22 numbers, India has the most like number of registered users playing fantasy sports anywhere in the world with over 13 crore users. So it's a, it's a fairly big industry. And it's one of those really promising industries because it also has a lot of opportunity for foreign investment that can come in. And there's also a lot of revenue to be made from taxes, both direct and indirect for the for the government itself. So so yeah, it's, it's quite a big industry. Those are some staggering numbers, as you said, but you ended it with saying that, you know, there is a role for taxation to come in here, especially given the revenues for the company, as well as maybe profits for the people who are playing on these platforms. So I think this takes me to the next area that I want to talk about, which is the focus of today's podcast, which is the regulation of these platforms. Now, Essentially, the debate that is being framed today around these online fantasy sports platforms is about the state's rights, about regulation and in, versus, you know, intrusive and economically harmful federal overreach by um, the states or the center, whichever is deciding these matters. Now, so if we were to today just preliminarily look at the legal, you know, framework for online fantasy sports, is it legal in India? Are there clever definitions? And... If there are clever definitions, is that distinction being made about, say, you know, being a game of skill versus a game of chance? Could you maybe walk us through the legal explanation for online fantasy sports? Yes. In fact, this is the very heart of the debate around this entire industry, as you pointed out. Right. So in a recent op-ed that I wrote, I actually, I actually write how uh, this industry finds itself sandwiched between two contrasting realities. Right. The first one was of like, the economic potential that it has. And with those numbers, we covered that. And the second reality is that it it also exists in a very, uh, in, in a regulatory gray space. Its legality currently in India is quite dubious. And there are many attempts to ban them periodically. So under the current system that we have, fantasy sports platforms are, are not differentiated enough from betting and gambling. So... If you take an online casino, for example, a website that has roulette and you can make, you can like gamble on it. Often those platforms are treated the same way as a Dream 11 or a mobile Premier League, etc., which are fantasy sports platforms would be treated. That is because in the Indian constitution, betting and gambling are under the state list, which gives the states the power to regulate them. 
or ban them. And in most Indian states, gambling is outrightly banned. I think a couple of northeastern states and Goa happen to be the only places where physical gambling, like casinos, are legal. Now, a lot of states have used this power that has been vested on to them uh, from the constitution and used it to come after online fantasy sports as well, calling them gambling, basically. Now, what happens is because various states have these powers, some states have already gone out and banned them while other states haven't. So quite recently, in fact, the government of Rajasthan proposed a new bill which would provide quite a lot of benefits for this industry, for the fantasy sports industry. On the other hand, only a few months ago, in October 2021, Karnataka banned all sorts of online gaming and all sorts of online gaming that included monetary stakes. So that would cover literally all sorts of gambling and also non-gambling skill sports like uh, online fantasy. And which was eventually struck down this year by the Karnataka High Court and the ban was overturned. But that, I'm just giving this example to show how in one state in India, you can have a law coming in that will actually provide a lot more benefits to users and companies around the fantasy sports. And in many other states, they have gone after it and tried to ban it. And Karnataka was obviously not the first state. It was actually quite late. Many Indian states, including Odisha, uh, almost all of the southern states in India, they have all banned Dream 11 especially and many other fantasy sports platforms more broadly many, many times. They, they keep trying to do this and various high courts in India, Punjab and Haryana, Bombay High Court, Karnataka High Court as well, of course, and Rajasthan High Court have said that this is not right and they overturn these bans. Because the courts say that this cannot be equated with gambling and this is an actual business activity that is protected under Article 19.1 G of the Indian Constitution, which is right to, you know, conduct any business activity. And therefore, all of this, all of these bans are overturned. But currently what we therefore have is because this is regulated by states, some states view these games more favorably versus some other states which do not. If you go to Dream 11's website, for example, it shows you a list of all the various states where you cannot cannot access the game and you cannot play it. So you cannot play any money-based games from states like Odisha or Telangana, etc. So yeah, that is the dubious legality that they find themselves in. Now the reason why the state, uh, the judiciary has been able to overturn these bans is because they use a test called skill predominance test. So this is something that the Indian judiciary has taken from various other judiciaries around the world. Uh, so they see, see if whether game involving financial stakes is dependent on luck or skill. So if the outcomes of the game are predominantly dependent on luck, then they can be called gambling. But if the outcomes of the game are dependent on skill predominantly, they cannot be called gambling. Now, the important distinction here is that when we say skill-based or luck-based, that is not to say that if a game is skill-based, there will be no element of luck. Because even actual sports have some element of luck, right? So if you, if you just go out and watch a cricket match, you will see how much of it is based on luck, right? So that is something that is there in every, every sport. But the importance is, which is the predominant one? So if you play over a period of time, if you are a skilled player, if you know more about cricket and you know how teams should be made in a T20 game, then you are much more likely to do better in an online fantasy sport platform 
than an average user that has just begun and does, is not really sure. So this is how the skill versus luck dynamic has been used by this quotes many, many times to overturn these various bans. Right. You mentioned, you know, the example of, you know, states banning the online fantasy sports platforms and then it getting overturned by the judiciary. It almost immediately reminds me of the United States where, like most topics in the United States, fantasy sport platforms are also a deeply contentious topic where in February 2020, a New York state appeals court actually struck down a law that had authorized fantasy sports in the state. And it declared that fantasy sports did indeed constitute gambling, which was in March 22 overturned, which means that these companies are going to have to be constantly aware of legal developments within a state. And there is no security as to whether the app is going to be allowed to function from one day to another, which brings me to my next question. Right now in India as well, the, you know, the regulation of fantasy sport platforms would inadvertently come under state governments. But given, say, the economic benefit that this could bring to the country and the opportunities that exist within this industry, do you think that it would make sense for the control of the regulation of these platforms to go to the center rather than to individual states. Right. So if we are to believe what FIFS, the Federation of Indian Fantasy Sports, which I spoke about earlier, the industry body, if we are to believe them, they have argued multiple times that, in fact, union government level intervention is very beneficial because, because of what you said, because it has immense economic potential. The Niti Aayog discussion draft also identified that it's a area that will contribute to India's Startup India, Digital India initiatives. And it has, it will create an environment for more employment as well. And so there are great arguments in favor of why this industry should like have more union government level intervention. And, and in that sense, the government's move to constitute a panel for bringing about regulations about this is good. But at the other hand, we also, and this is the point that Mihir made about this industry, was that he said maybe because in the current system, various Indian states have various different ways in which they're perceiving this industry. Southern Indian states, which generally are economically much better off than Northern Indian states, they are looking at fantasy sports, broadly speaking, fantasy sports platforms as something that's a, a nuisance that is uh, harmful to consumers and they do not think that much about the economic impact and go out and ban it. On the other hand, the northern states where the economy is not as robust as it would be in the southern states are looking at this as a sector which can get them some economic relief or, or give them an economic boost. And they want to, they do not want to intervene in it and they in fact are trying to, you know, uh, attract more of these platforms to their states. And that, that that is something that he pointed out that I found very interesting because he also said, Amir, that is, he also said that maybe because of these differential regulations, it will incentivize these companies to actually move towards more safe formats, which are more skill dependent, such that there can be like very little controversy about any luck-based element. For example, what we are currently seeing, and as I earlier said, these are skill-based, but because the platform, uh, because this industry has grown so rapidly over the last few years, we also see a lot of smaller players emerging and even a lot of bigger players that have come up with different 
formats into uh, that have introduced new formats into their existing games. And some of these formats are much more luck based. Some of these formats where you are in fact actually betting on the outcome of the match more than how the players are are doing. And a lot of these parameters are much more luck based. And that raises some very important questions about whether if you do something like that, whether the distinction that the courts have made about skill and chance actually remain true in reality. So Mihir's point was that given that this could be a potentially harmful industry, maybe it is good that, you know, it has to navigate through these various bands. That way it can be incentivized to be more careful and introduce more skill heavy elements and not more luck heavy elements that will promise a lot of the reason why they do this they introduce these new formats is because the rewards are huge and they can they can use that in advertising to tell people that come participate in these games you can win a lot but also because it's so luck based and the chances of winning are lower much more people are going to lose but in the standard formats because because it's more skill based people are likely to win 40-50% of the times and when, uh, when something like that happens, you cannot promise a very huge reward because that way you don't get any money as a platform. So that is the reason why they're introducing much more, you know, these luck-based formats. And that could be harmful. So what Mihir said is also important. Another reason why maybe, you know, union-level intervention could be a problem is because, and recently we saw, we recently saw this, private member bill was tabled in the parliament by an MP from Kerala. and. And that bill is extremely, it was just quite strict in its regulation, to put it mildly. So it proposes the implementation of a full-blown license system where all fantasy platforms can only function when they have uh, various forms of licenses and a union-level gaming commission will be, will be installed and that gaming commission will regulate how much fees they can charge for for games, which formats are allowed, and there will be very strict periodic review of everything. So that's a very draconian way of regulating this industry because that way you're basically just going to kill it. So there are good reasons why you might want union level intervention because obviously it will provide more coherence and clarity so that, you know, people in Rajasthan and people in Kerala, for example, can both participate in these games and not just in one of those states, but at the same time, for the reasons I've laid out, union level intervention can also be problematic. Right. That's that's quite interesting, especially the points you raised that Mihir had brought up. But on that note, before we move into, say, the risks that are posed by these platforms, let's take a short break. Welcome back. So we were just discussing, you know, the risks that were posed by the union government regulating these online fantasy sport platforms. But at the same time, we have to remember that, you know, that regulation comes at certain costs and maybe those costs are too high for, as you mentioned, Atish, for these companies to flourish beyond a point. But according to you, don't you think that the costs or the risks that are faced by the consumers or the, you know, the people playing on these sports platforms is also immensely high given that the stakes are so high it could lead to it could lead to maybe mental health problems it could lead to people being non-judicious about their own money what according to you are some of the biggest risks that are posed by online fantasy sport platforms 
Yes, that's a that's a very good question, Arushi. There are, in fact, a lot of consumer harms associated with the industry. Primarily, of course, is uh, financial risk, right? Because, and let's be honest, this is a very, this is a game based entirely around finances, no matter how much we pretend otherwise, right? People love cricket and that might bring them into the, into these platforms and may even help them go into other sports because a lot of these platforms offer not just contests in cricket, but also kabaddi, hockey, football, etc. So if you're a cricket fan, you can then develop interest in other sports as well. And, you know, viewership of that increases. All that is fine. But the reason why people come here is to make money. And because that is the driving factor, often they will also lose a lot of money because that's just the nature of how this works. And that is something, that is one of the reasons why many of these southern states, especially in India, have gone out of their way to try and restrict these games. Because there are reports of suicides by, by who, who have lost a lot of money and then they do not know a way out. Often they continue borrowing money just so they can make some of that money back. And then they are just very deep in debt and then they take their lives. So that's a very big consumer risk, obviously, the, the fact that there can be financial ruin. Secondly, there's also addiction, which is related to the first point, because these are just like uh, everything else in the you know information age that we live in. A lot of this is extremely interactive. A lot of this really soups you in because of how many various design, the various design features that it has. That is that is really addictive. That can really hook you to it. And because of course, just like regular gam, like. Just like gambling, the fact that you have, if you have lost money once, the chances that you like, then, then you feel compelled to keep playing on so that you can make some of that money back. So that also adds to the addiction element, even if it is not entirely chance-based. Because if, if you're gambling and you keep doing it, then there's only one outcome. Like you will be ruined financially. Here, of course, there is a chance that you might make the money back because it's skill-based, but that still means that there is a high chance that you will lose money and you will be addicted as well. And this, and a recent uh, report by Rest of World, which is a magazine that chronicles tech stories from outside the Silicon Valley. They, they did an excellent story about how the rise of these platforms has resulted, in fact, in a large gambling crisis in India. And we are seeing many addiction recovery centers, primarily focused on mobile gaming, gambling, etc., that have come up across big Indian cities to help people cope with this. And, and that article is extremely interesting because of the way it looks at some of the major trends that have pushed this addiction in India and have also contributed, obviously, to the rise of, of these platforms itself. And of course, the first is that smartphone access, right? So many more people in India can now afford smartphones. So smartphones are available. At the same time, there's cheap data, right? Uh, after what Geo did, internet has become extremely cheap and that's extremely accessible. Plus, digital payment apps have become extremely accessible as well. So, and the recent report that I was talking about at the start of the podcast by Deloitte, that has an excellent graph about UPI payments rising across the year and how they correlate with uh, the rise of fantasy sports. So UPI payments, online payments have really contributed to the rise of this industry and therefore also contributed some amount to the rise of addiction that comes from it. Finally, obviously, there is also the risk of, you know, saving minors because a lot of people uh, under 18 also try and get in because, in fact, 
in many ways your fandom for cricket or any sport is highest in your mid to late teenage and you might not be an adult yet you might still be a minor and then you might still want to play fantasy sports so that's an important issue and finally data protection because india does not have a data protection law so concerns around data protection are also there so yes these are these are some really important consumer harms and and according to the charter of FIFS, which claims to be a self-regulatory body, although it's not like recognized as such, because you know there is no coherent legislation about these about these platforms, they have a charter of certain things that all their member platforms have to follow in order to be recognized. And there, there they try to eliminate some of these harms by by enforcing certain standards for data protection. They, they're also trying out this new nudge feature where they try to ask all the platforms that are part of FIFS to send periodic notifications reminding users to not play for long, ensure that whenever they're they are staking more money to warn them against it. So all the usual stuff that you can do through design that might, uh, design nudges that might help prevent people from going too deep into this. But of course, that might not be enough. And which is why I think, which is why I personally think the fact that the panel was constituted is a good thing because some of these harms can be looked at more seriously without the knee-jerk reaction being, you know, let's just ban it. Because there is good reason for us to believe that the union union government is not looking to ban this at all. Because earlier this year during the budget speech, the finance minister, in fact, was talking about how animation, video game, comics, etc. They're taking this into a separate sector and they want this to be promoted. They identify this uh, sector called AVGC as, as a promising new sector which will offer great employment. And fantasy sports will fall under this sector. So I don't see them banning this at all. So therefore, I think the fact that they have a new commission that is looking into it, it might actually be helpful in identifying these risks without killing the entire industry. Right, that's that's quite a positive outlook on what, you know, the future for online fantasy sport platforms in India could be. And I think as we come to an end about on this discussion, as always, India is not the first country to be having this debate. As I mentioned, the US has been having this debate for quite some time. There have been various contentious debates going on since the early 2010s in the US regarding online fantasy sports, whether it's gambling, whether it's, you know, something more skill-based. But is there something that India could learn from other countries where it's been evidence that something done in the online fantasy sports platform area arena is doing well for that industry and how could better regulation maybe be implemented in an area that India is just foring into? What do you have to say about that? Yes. Before I answer that very briefly, uh, I think uh, I should have mentioned this when I was talking about the union versus state thing. Uh, questions might arise how, if it is under the state list, can the union government intervene? And the answer to that actually came out in a 2018 Law Commission report about gambling, betting, etc., which the Law Commission did in 2018. And in that report, it identifies that the union government, in fact, can intervene in online gaming, online gambling, online betting platforms because uh, telecommunications, right, is under the union list. So because these are offered over internet services, the union government has the power to intervene in them. 
And in fact, that is a good segue into your current question about what we can learn from other countries. Because the United States, in fact, one of the original legislations that the US had about this was also based around telecommunication. So they had they had two interesting legislations. One was looking at it from a perspective of sports administration and the other was looking at it from a telecommunications aspect. And under both of these laws, which are quite old, one is called Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act and the second is called the Wire Act. Under both of these, wagering over phone for like any, any sports betting was illegal. So this would kind of be like match fixing or having a, having a bookie take money to determine the outcome of a game or something. Things like that were banned in the United States uh, under these two laws. And in theory, they can also ban online fantasy sports, but they have never been used to do that so far. Now there's another one which is about, which is specifically on the internet called Uniform Internet Gambling Enforcement Act, but that has exemptions for fantasy sports. Now, beyond this, it's based on states. And you give the example of New York. So on the federal level, what the United States seem to be doing is they are trying to ban online gambling through federal regulations because that's a game of luck and they do not want, I think, the internet to be involved in that. But on the other hand, for games of skill, uh, I think it's more towards states to regulate by themselves. Now, a much more interesting example comes from China, in fact. Because, and this is not directly related to fantasy sports, but China last year passed some really stringent regulations on gaming in general including video games, online, like any sort of games, right? So, and in China, they have the regulations for how much people can play for how long. And now for, for students, for example, they have only three days a week on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I think that's for a total of four to five hours or something like that. Something really, it's extremely stringent and it's video game providing companies to enforce these regulations. So that is, uh, that is an example that has been quoted by some people that believe that, you know, this online fantasy sports industry is actually quite harmful and India should also adopt something like that. So yeah, that is another model where you can ensure that these companies do not let people play for more than a fixed number of hours and then you put the onus on them to enforce it. And the argument is that India can afford to do that without fearing that these companies will run away because India is a huge market. 13 crore users, they are not going to get anywhere else in any other country. And given how big the IPL is and given how big it is set to become over the next five years because the IPL is also going to get new media rights, which are twice, not twice, I think five or six times as big as the current media deal. So the IPL is only going to get bigger and much more cannibalistic of the entire cricket calendar. IPL will just take up half the year. And in such a situation, these companies cannot afford to go away from India. So some commentators are suggesting that India can actually take a very stringent rule and ensure that these platforms do not allow people to play for more than five to uh, six hours uh, per week or something like that. And finally, a very good model also comes from Australia, which is, which is much more light touch, which is a word that Niti Aayog used in its discussion draft about this industry where it proposed that there should be, there should be self-regulation. So a self-regulatory body should be recognized and sh it should be empowered to 
enforce certain things like, you know, protection of minors, data protection standards, and most importantly, any new format that is introduced by, by a platform that should be verified by the self-regulatory body. And only after they statistically test it to be skill-based will those platforms be rolled out. And there will be periodic audits of the data from these platforms just to ensure that, you know, it is still skill-based and the outcomes are not, you know, based on chance. And that is something that they took. They were inspired a little bit from Australia because Australia also has uh, a few of these laws along similar lines that has exceptions for fantasy sports and allows them to be self-regulating while coming down much harder on on just luck-based gambling games. So yeah, I think we can learn a little bit from Australia if you want to go out of our way and uh, ensure that these companies are reined in, then we can also learn from China. That's well, that's two ends of the spectrum to how we could regulate the online fantasy sports platform. But this is a great conversation. I was able to find out a lot more about the, you know, the industry itself, the potential for growth and ways in which we should be thinking about the legal framework for such an industry, given its immense potential. So thank you so much for joining me. This is a great conversation. Thank you. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, Check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashila.inst or our website takshashila.org.in.